Welcome to the Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. In this program, we take a fresh look at some of today's challenges from the economy, education, politics, security, defense, and much more. You'll be prompted to see and think about things just a bit differently. Now, here are your hosts, Ambassador Harry Thomas and Chief Alex Morales. Welcome to the Spotlight. We are your hosts, Ambassador Retired Harry K. Thomas, Jr., and I'm the Chief Alex Morales, retired as well. Harry, today we have a great uh, guest. His name is, uh, he's the President and CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of Polk County, Mr. Steve Giardano. Steve, thank you for taking the time and joining us. Alex, thank you so much for having me. Harry, I'm very pleased to be here representing this fine organization. That's great. Well, Steve, let's start and say, please tell us a little bit about yourself. So I was, uh, I, I grew up in, uh, in New York. I was born in Brooklyn, moved out to Long Island, attended the New York Institute of Technology on a football scholarship. And um, while I was there, got a job in a warehouse. Uh, they couldn't hire me as a warehouseman, so they hired me as a janitor. Um, and I wanted the daytime janitor job, but I wasn't good enough for that at Alex. They made me nighttime janitor. And I uh, stayed there for a while. 17 years later, I uh, left that company as their vice president of operations. And since oh, then, wow. I've, I've just been um, joining companies and uh, usually uh, companies that needed some help and uh, seeing if I could help in a leadership position. Oh, wow. That's amazing, Steve. That reminds me of the, the nights um, I spent uh, working at White Rocks. Remember White Rock Soda's uh, plant in the South Bronx? Sure. Sure. <laughs> Loading the sodas on trucks, man. Um, that's how I got through college, too. But tell us a little bit more about uh, your journey. Not many people, no matter how hardworking, go from sweeping up to a vice president. That doesn't happen overnight. How did, how did you make that happen? You know, um, I, I've read um, I, I read a lot of books that told you how to get ahead, and I, I didn't I didn't find much in them. One of them was from John Paul Getty, mm -hmm. and essentially, after reading this 180 page book, there were two points uh, for success: number one, um, wake up early and work hard; number two, discover oil. And I didn't think that was a good uh, strategy for me. So um, I just uh, read somewhere else that if you took jobs that nobody else wanted and nobody else would do, they'd give you more of them. And that's what I did. I just, whether it was um, when I became an operations manager and they said, boy, there's a troubled operation down in, um, in, in Fairfield, New Jersey. I said, I'll take it. Or they said, you know, hey, you've got to go to um, uh, Tampa, Florida, because nobody can run a store down there. I said, I'll take it. So any job that nobody wanted, I took. And uh, it worked out well. And some you know, people say, how do you become a CEO? And I'd say, do all the jobs that a CEO oversees. Oh, wow. That, that's actually, that's a very good analogy because people think that being a CEO is something cliche, but they don't see that the CEO is willing to do anything to make the company succeed. You know, if they need to take the crash out, they do it because... That's their baby, right? Yeah, I think that um, when you uh, spend as much time as Harry and I have spent on delivery trucks, <laughs> and, and, and then you find yourself as an executive talking to a delivery driver, they can spot a phony a mile away. They just know if you haven't done the real work, you can't pretend it just because you, you read in a book that says, hey, wander in the warehouse and, and buy a birthday cake and people are going to give you respect. No, not unless you have experienced what they experienced. And, and correspondingly, not just a delivery example, I have been in a place where um, a salesperson or two will say, if you're so good, you sell me this sofa or you sell me this mattress. And if you're not prepared to do that, and I'm prepared to do it right now if you ask me to, Alex, if you're not prepared to do that, they'll know that you really don't deserve their respect as somebody who oversees salespeople. Actually, you know, that's funny. I'm going to tell you this story because you probably don't know, but it relates to this. But it, it happened with you, by the way. Actually, Harry, I'll tell you, you so you see. So I approached uh, when we were doing PPE, we did a donation to one of his sites, right? 
So I say, hey, just to let you know, we 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 have some hand sanitizer. He said, man, great. We'll love some donations. And the way that he did it, I mean, the way that he presented to me, I couldn't say no, Harry. <laughs> so I just ended up donating and everything. So it was amazing how the approach was. And I, it was great. Well, I appreciate that. And, and you know what makes it, um, none of us likes to sell. I mean, if you, if my board, and I have a phenomenal board of the Boys and Girls Club of Polk County, um, they will do anything. They'll volunteer. They'll show up. They'll throw the basketball. They'll speak. But then ask them to raise money, closing a sale. Man, that's hard. And so I'll just say, you know, um, if and only if you believe in what we do, would you consider giving us a donation of $200? Is that something you would, as you're nodding your head, yes. <laughs> you see them back to you nodding, but you, well, yeah, sure I would. And that's selling. And much easier if you're passionate about your product. And I've got the lives of young kids who could be more, you know, what is there to be more passionate about than saving young lives? No exaggeration. Your passion and your convincing, even through the boys, is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a salesman, Steve. Go ahead, Harry. <laughs> well, clearly you can sell ice to Eskimos. But, uh, Steve, you played football in college. How was the experience of a student athlete? So, um, yeah, I, d I did play linebacker um, in uh, high school. In co I was a very good high school linebacker mm -hmm. and a very average college linebacker. And so <laughs> um, I did not do well. And, uh, but I did learn, you know, that um, when you are a football player on scholarship in college, mm -hmm. you don't have to go to class and nobody cares. Now, you'll get all C's, mm -hmm. which I did. <laughs> And, and really, I can say that the first two years of college for me were wasted because I had this, um, this exaggerated opinion of my value to the college. And as a result, I didn't do what I was supposed to be doing there. I didn't get an education. It took me seven years to graduate college because I just screwed around thinking, well, I'm terrific and they'll just give me good grades. And no, they did not. And so it took me a long time. So I, I think, you know, a college athlete, unless that's going to be your profession, and, and you guys know that's a lottery ticket. I mean, if, you're, if your ability is going to take you to the pro ranks, you're not that you're 1% of 1%. Yes. But if it is, don't take your classes. But if not, just use it as the example, as a method, as a vehicle to get your education, because that's priceless. That's wonderful. Wonderful. I, Actually, I will even say, I will add to that, Steve. I, I really believe that uh, knowledge is power. And when you educate yourself, you aren't yourself to all this stuff. So I think even if you're going to go professional, sometimes, you know, you it could be in finance or it could be in business. You see all these athletes making, you know, doing something else after that because an athlete's career can can go away in, in, in a day, you know, with an injury and all of a sudden what's next, you know, if they're not educated or something, right? Totally agree. Totally agree, Alex. Well, talking about student athlete and everything, what is you think your opinion of, you know, do student athletes should be getting paid for the profits they generate on their name brand, meaning on their name? What are your thoughts about that? It's kind of curious. Well, you know, in my business, I am – facing face-to-face -face with at-risk families every day. And, and, and any time that somebody has an opportunity to break out of that and, and get a scholarship to, let's say, a Division I school, and now you're playing and, and all of a sudden you're a product to that school that's going to make money off of you, well, I want that athlete to benefit from that. However, I also have a conviction that I'll just speak for me. At, at, at 18, uh, I was 17 when I first, my freshman year, at 18 years of age, I didn't have any more idea than a goat of what to do if somebody had given me money. So I do think that they should get a part. If I had something to say about it, it'd be a trust that would go to this student athlete so that it would be his or her money. And, and down the road, it could be by meeting certain criteria, 
you know, theirs to claim only after they graduated, only after they did this and only after they took this course. And that, because I know what'll happen. What happens to most of our athletes, these phenomenally talented kids who now have a better shot and they're going to buy mama the house. And I want mama to have the house and they're going to get out and finally get something except that, you know, 27 people that they sort of know from some, you know, tertiary truncated relation will take money from them because they're part of their friends and the money will be gone before it can benefit them. So I'm for it. That's my really long answer to your very good short question. No, no, I appreciate it. No, no, no. I appreciate that. Go ahead, Harry. Well, clearly we should have you talk to the NC2A and Florida has all of these big state universities with a lot of athletes who get drafted. But like you said, most pro football players are broke in a few years. That's right. That's and right. basketball teams are, are, are too small. Um, but l- let's switch. Uh, you've had many C-level positions, C-suite positions. Which one has been the most challenging and why? And we're not talking about being married. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, generally speaking, when when you've accepted a job um, that is in a challenged company, uh, ego's got to be put aside because I don't care how good you are. You're not going to do it alone and you can't do all of them. And so I've had some, you know, C jobs that, you know, paid a lot of money. And they said, we're, we're about to uh, declare bankruptcy. We're going to reorganize. We're going to come out stronger. And the, this gives the staff hope because that's all they wanted. They want a chance. They don't want to change jobs. I, you know, people said, when your company is filed for bankruptcy or when the company is in trouble, don't the people bail? Actually, historically, no, they don't. They okay. hold on. And they look to you and say, hey, can you get us out of this leader? Can you help us through this? That's all they want. And you have tremendous support. And by the way, it's never the people that put the organization in this. It's the guys with the ties. It's the us. It's the, it's the leaders that screwed it up and made bad investments and didn't differentiate or do whatever you needed to do to gain the market share. And now these poor people, thousands of them are at risk because uh, some fat cat didn't do his job. So it is very frustrating when you know that no matter what you do, because if you're a C-level executive, you're going to work hard. And I work hard. And your people are working hard. And it's frustrating to know that no matter what you do, it's not going to make a difference. You can't pull out of it. So that's the most frustrating, because many times in my career, I've been lucky enough to be blessed with a team that got behind the effort, and we were able to pull out of it. And everybody feels great. But what if you know, you're some, one of these companies that's just, you know, not, not uh, innovated enough. And, and, and as a result, you're cut out of the market. Your reason for being doesn't exist anymore. No matter what you do, it can't make it happen. That's the most difficult job. Have you been in a situation where you have to do that and just face? It? Yes. So, please explain it. How was it? You know, I, w- I know it wasn't pleasant, but. <laughs> well, it wasn't because the first day on the job, uh, see, if you, if you do what I do, it's not really complicated. In other words, the things to do are known. People say, you know, hey, you just turn around, guy. What makes you so good? I'd say nothing. It's just the things everybody says they do. I actually do them. So I execute. <laughs> so, I mean, right. if you read it in a book and I, I, you know, I'm going to read it in a book and then do it and you execute, it will work. So that's really all I do. I don't have any idea. I'm not creative. I'm not an entrepreneur. I just do these processes that work. So you show up in this thing, and the first day, the news media is there saying, hey, your company just filed Chapter 11, and this law firm has been um, uh, uh, retained to represent the trustees, and you're going to, and now your life is going to be spent negotiating with lawyers and trying to parse messages instead of doing those very real things you need to do to execute. And you've got constituencies on the board or the trustees that you can't please, and you're not doing business anymore. That's why it doesn't work. Oh, okay. So you focus on the process and the business side just went down, basically. Yeah, and that's really, it's, 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 it's cutting off the legs of the very troops that can carry you. Because if you let the people know, there are some very well 
um, packaged bankruptcies, for example. Bankruptcy is okay. You got to restructure and, and become a smaller entity. And as long as you still have a reason for being, get the people behind the new mission and they will bring you out of it. That has happened countless times. On all those turnarounds I showed up, it's because the people didn't even have to change. They were ready for leadership. They're just like, just tell us where you want us to go. And if you do that and give them the freedom to do it, they'll get you out of it. And when they get you out of it, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. If you have a question or a comment about the program, drop us a line via email to support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Again, that's support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Now back to The Spotlight. And we're back to The Spotlight. And we were talking with Steve Giardano the president and CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of Paul Canning. He was giving us all his experience as a C-level uh, leader. But, Harry, take us out. Hey, Steve, thanks for the energy. Which one of your uh, jobs has been the most rewarding? Oh, that, that before this one would have been tough, but now it's not. It is, and, and not just because we're here to talk about it. Um, I am I am a, a CEO of an organization whose mission is to reach young people, especially those who need us the most, and make them productive, caring, responsible citizens. And if you reach enough of them, you can actually uh, transform an entire community. So the lives of right now 2,500 youngsters uh, every year, and could be a new 2,500 next year, could be changed in a way that only the mentors that have made Harry and Alex could realize because both of you are successful people. I promise you somebody was a mentor to you 
You don't become Alex and Harry without that. And some of my kids, some of our kids in the Boys and Girls Club, they don't have those mentors at home. Some of them, you know, left to go to school with no stuff, no food in their belly and a kick in the pants and said, you know, that's it. And so when I can provide through the team that uh, I'm lucky enough to represent real mentors that can make a difference in their lives, you know from your mentors how rewarding that can be if they know it. And so this job is the first nonprofit job I've had, and it is the most rewarding because no matter what else happens, lives are going to be improved because our organization does improve lives. And, um, and, and so it, people say, hey, what's the biggest difference between running a nonprofit and a for-profit? I'd say they're the same. They both involve balancing resources. They both involve balance sheet profit and lost cash flow and people. One exception, though, there is one thing I think that stands apart, and that is since I've been with the Boys and Girls Club two and a half years now, I have yet to find, could happen, I'm still young, but I've yet to find a single hypocrite, not one. Every single board member, every single volunteer, every staff member, they say they care about kids. They care about kids through and through. Oh, wow. Well, but let's let's talk about the Boys and Girls Club. And for someone that is not aware, which is hard to believe, but well, let's put it like, please tell us, What is the Boys and Girls Club? What program? What it was their mission? Please. So, you know, I'm going to give you the end first. When, when a Boys and Girls Club opens up in a town, okay, it's going to be a town with at-risk kids. And in Polk County, for example, let's say there's 700,000 people, probably 100,000 of them are living at or below the poverty line. Of oh. that 100,000, there's 55,000 at-risk kids. Now, I already said we, we, we hit 2,500 kids a year, okay? Uh, but that ain't 55,000. <laughs> so we have a mission to go to 10,000 kids in the next three to five years. And we're going to grow in, in, in some of the county, in, in, inside the county, in some of the cities we're not re represented in. But when we show up in a town, high school graduation improves by 6 to 10%. Crime drops by three to uh, 30 to 40%. Kids get more exercise and better nutrition because we feed them. Okay. Um, summer slide is arrested because you know that let's say that uh, you're in a wealthy community and here comes summer and maybe they take the kids off to some summer vacation. Maybe there's some books that are read. Maybe there's some books on tape. Maybe there's some adventure. There's some neat stuff. Well, our at-risk kids don't have that. And the result of that every summer between first and fifth grade can be a slide of almost two grades that the child has to somehow make up and the child never does. Wow. So we address these things head on. So you go to a boys and girls club. First thing that's going to happen is, well, if it's a good boys and girls club, and, and when I visit them, this is my favorite site to see, kids running off the bus, running to the directors, in many cases, hugging the directors. This is their happiest time all day. Okay. Now they're going to come and they're going to do their homework. They don't have homework. They're going to do whatever subject they're struggling with because we got real teachers and real mentors from the schools who know these kids and know their trouble spots. So here comes the homework. So group A is doing homework over here. Group B is out there doing social games like foosball and pool. Why foosball and pool? Because it makes you talk to folks back and forth. You're not sitting in front of some, some machine. So you're interacting. There's a social contract going on. Here's group C. They're going out to play kickball. Why? Because we want them exercising. We want them to get out there and get rid of some of that energy and pent up emotion. And so they're out there playing sports. And here's some other kids in Money Matters. They're learning how to balance a checkbook. And here's a little physics class from the teacher, the science teacher who we borrowed from the elementary school, got to teach them physics with a, a lever and a tongue depressor and a, and, and a rubber band and some creative game. And here's an art class and the kids are going to you know, be drawing some art that represents them. And oh, over here we have a Black Lives Matter group and they're going to make some peaceful protest signs and they're going to march out and, and do that. And so all of that is going on. Okay. And then we're going to feed them a hot meal because all of my locations now, first thing we did when we merged in 2019 is get a food license. So we're providing a hot meal for these kids every night at five o'clock. And in, during the summer, we provide two hot meals. Now, all of that is best summarized by this. A single mom doesn't have a choice after school if it charges. We don't charge. So one time I met a single mom who said, let me tell you how important your program is to me. She said, It used to be when I first came to this town, I would pick up my daughter from school, 
bring her home. We'd fight over the homework. The homework wouldn't get done. Dinner would be late. She'd be hungry. We'd eat more. We'd do more homework. We'd fight about that. We'd both go to bed angry. Now, I go to work. I come home from work. I pick her up at your club. She's fed. Her homework's done. What you've given to me is a relationship with my daughter. I get to sit down and talk to my daughter. That's what we do. Wow. Go ahead, Harry. That's impressive. But, but Steve, let's step back a minute. Um, what made you take the role of CEO for the Boys and Girls Club of Polk County? People just don't go from the private sector to the public sector, especially helping at-risk kids. And in Polk. Yes, Sam. So there was a, and I would rather a board member uh, describe this uh, than me because they were part of the selection group. Once um, uh, the national organization decided that we need some economy and scale in these clubs, you know, there were, there were individual clubs that were operating and, and many of them on shoestring budgets and losing money and, you know, not really able to open, keep their doors open. And so Boys and Girls at the Club of America said, listen, Polk County is big. You got six or seven clubs and none of them are flourishing the way they ought to. Why not combine them, bring in a professional CEO and run them that way? And fortunately, there were enough people, board members from both sides of the county that said, yeah, we'll do that. They found a selection committee, hired a headhunter. There were allegedly, I wasn't part of it, 100 candidates that they, you know, vetted these headhunters. And I got a call. I was one of them. And, um, and so they said, uh, they asked me the questions and, and even said to me, the headhunter said, well, um, have you ever worked for a nonprofit before? No. Um, have you ever uh, served on a nonprofit board? No. Um, uh, do you, have you ever volunteered? Yeah, but not at the level you're talking about. Okay, well, you're not getting this job. Just know that you're not getting this job. But, you know, with with your experience in mergers and and acquisitions and, you know, your experience turning around troubled companies, you're the kind of person we want to put in front of them. And I said, okay, well, that's fine. You know, I already had a job, but that was fine. And um, and so I said, by the way, where is this? And they said, Polk County, Florida. I said, oh, (laughs) I have a home in Florida that I haven't been to in 20 years because I've been in Richmond and Atlanta and LA and New York and and, and upstate New York and doing all these jobs. I still have a home. I promised my wife that when our first grandchild was born, I would, uh, I would find a job somehow in Florida. Now, uh, by the way, we prayed about it. And when Benny, our first grandson was born three months later, the headhunter called me. Oh, wow. and they, and so then when she said, you're not getting this job, I said, well, how do you know that? And so she said, well, you've got no known profit experience. And so I said, uh, well, I said, uh, I've got two of the criteria that you need. And she goes, well, I said, number one, I know how to run a business. I can run a business. She goes, what else? I said, I hate bullies. I can't <laughs> buy bullies. And so my kids are being bullied there. So I would say, if you are an executive that can turn around a company, if, you're a, if you aspire to be a leader, you also have the compassion to be there for children. Because I don't know a leader who can aspire to that position without really caring about individuals. See, if you don't care, if you, if you got into business because you like crunching numbers or algorithms or actuarial tables, then be an accountant. But if you want to be a leader, by God, you better care about people. Every great leader I know, and I don't know many, I mean, great leaders, well, I've met three my whole life, and I've come across thousands, and I met Jack Welch from GE, so there's not many great leaders, but the ones who are really good, which is what I aspire to be, a good leader, a good, solid leader, they love people, they bleed for people, and if you do, and you can run a business and still have compassion and still cry when you see those kids come off the bus and, they, and their pants are torn and they don't have matching socks and they're, you know that they've got a tough situation at home. If you can cry over that and run a business, then be a, a Boys and Girls Club CEO, please, because we need you. Wow. Wow. So knowing Polk, I moved to Polk. Uh, was 2013 when we bought the house. And I was in and out because I was still active duty. And then in 2016, I retired, went to Jacksonville for, to the private sector. Didn't like to move to the house that I kind of similar situation. I started my own business. And Polk is special. It has something unique. I mean, you know, Haines City went to heaven, has a shield, has a 
but it's also close, you know, meaning it's challenging to get through. How do you manage to, you know, a guy who probably like me have 20,000 ideas, innovations and out of the box thinking where they might look at you like, yeah, that's not going to work here. What, what are you the, the thing when you first got in and what was the reaction? Just out of curiosity, knowing poke. Yeah, so the, the, first of all, Alex, I got the only correction I'll give you is I am not creative like you. I've seen you. You are creative. Not I am much. not. And that's not false humility. I am a person, as I said earlier, I, I implement fundamental ideas. But ask me to think of my own. I'm not going to do it. But anyway, <laughs> having said that, the biggest challenge to me was the realization that Lakeland folks really don't like Winter Haven folks. <laughs> And, and, and that, you know, these things look very much the same to me. I could get there in, you know, 20, 20 minutes and it's different. So you have to be very careful to what I think anybody should do in a new job. And you asked what I did. I learned. You listen. You pay attention. You, because the, 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 the resources are there. These people care very much. Yeah, Polk County is a lot of area with not a lot of people. But what's interesting is the generosity. You know, yeah. our fundraising has been up for you know since since I got there. We're, we've we've managed to even during COVID. So during COVID, when ninety percent of the boys and girls clubs around the nation closed, we didn't. We were part of the ten percent that stayed open. In fact, we expanded. We increased our our staff to meet CDC guidelines. We, um, we found out, we created virtual programming. We found out what the neighborhood needed. They needed food. We went out to migrant communities and delivered food. We, since the pandemic began, we served 150,000 meals. So when you do that kind of stuff and you're listening and you're respectful, because I'm not trying to make Polk County me, I'm trying to fit into Polk County and give them what they need. People listen and they give you the, the ability to do it. And with listening and with the ability to do it, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired. Create your own story to share and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
You are listening to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. If you have a question or a comment about the program, drop us a line via email to support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Again, that's support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Now back to The Spotlight. And we're back in The Spotlight with Steve Giardano. Steve, you were talking about... uh, um, how you got into the seat and everything. Harry, go ahead and continue, please. Yes. Steve, I got to ask you before I go off to our some of the questions. Did you take a pay cut to come here? I mean, <laughs> that's a big thing to do, especially as a granddad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, uh, yes, I did. Uh, read a lot. You know, while we were praying, we said, because, you know, it's, it's a very astute question. And I'm a little embarrassed to answer it, but I will answer. Um, so we, um, we, we, we were praying about it. And my wife would say, listen, you know, you can do this. You can turn around companies in Florida, too. And I'm like, well, IBM doesn't call me. Only troubled company. I, I just go where they call. And so far, I've never been fired from a job, knock wood. And I've, I've never had to look for one. I've been lucky enough that, you know, somebody has come out and said, and this is the first time that I left Hawaii with uh, making considerably less. And, but I knew that going in. And so I figured, well, there won't be so much traveling. There'll be the quality of life that's better. And so when my wife and I prayed about it, we said, you know, are, are we prepared to, to do it with less money? And, and please, let's not, let's not pretend that I'm not making a good salary. I'm making a good salary. It's fine. Um, it's just that um, uh, the, the job that I'm doing which is probably the smallest company I've run. This, you know, we this 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 business is a three point five million dollar business. It can't afford a person like me, and so that's why I do all the jobs. So I had a call with a fundraising company today, and they said, "All right, well, give us your your chief marketing officer." I said, "You got him. I'm on the phone." <laughs> but who does? But who does the resource development? Yep, that's me. But you've got a COO. Nope, that's me. Chief financial officer, me, and so. While I, so, so whatever it is that I do get paid, um, is, is, is I want it to be worth it to the communities to pay me. They're my boss. The board is just a fiduciary. And one way that I make it worth it, even though it is less than I'm used to making in the, in the, in the private sector, is by acknowledging that, hey, I'm going to do all these jobs. I'm just, they're not going to have to hire separate people. I'll make it worth their while. I want to be the best investment they ever made of whatever they're paying me. Well, you you have several times during this talk referred to your faith and you and your wife praying. Tell us a little. Tell our listeners a little bit more about that, if you don't mind. Sure. I just um, you know I'm a I'm a control freak. I want to believe that I control everything. And, you know, and and it's and I take responsibility for everything, not because I'm a noble person, but because it gives me the illusion of control. So you talk about Chernobyl. And I'm like, I'm sorry for it. I don't know what I did to cause Chernobyl, but I must have done something. And and then you have things that happen in your life that just make you realize, oh, that's so illusory. You, you have so little control. There's a higher force out there. And I don't know the power of prayer when I've been in some tough spots in, in my life, you know, as a kid uh, uh, growing up and, you know, we were poor growing up and, you know, it was a, a, not a great situation at home. And, um, and so um, when you, when you, when you, when you can't find a place for that and you're able to give it to somebody, let's just say a higher power um, in my word, that's one less thing I have to control. And therein lies the faith. And I would tell you that I'm a cynic. I'm a, I'm a pragmatist. I don't believe in anything I can't see. Yet I believe in God uh, because I've seen evidence of it. Because, you know, when Kay, my wife and I pray and, and say, you know, make us better at this and, you know, you know make something appear. If, 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 if we're true, it happens. And, of course, we're led to doing things that segment that to, you know, more potentiality. The potential is greater when we do those things. But I just have, I'm, I'm a person who believes in the power of that. And, and that's probably not a complete enough answer, but that's mine. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, that's an important answer. And it has to be yours when you're dealing with faith. Seems like you have a little guilt there, too. Oh, I have more Judeo-Christian guilt than the, than the Old Testament could list. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and the way I look at it is um, it's not whether these things are good or bad. Do they serve you? 
Does it serve me to wonder, gosh, I hope I'm doing a good job for the communities of the Boys and Girls Club. I hope I'm, I hope I'm the best husband my wife could have ever imagined. I hope that my grandkids say, I'm so proud of Pop. I want, you know, and so all of this keeps me um, going. And yeah, there is guilt. I'm guilty for, you know, I talk to board members who all work for free and, and they give me hours of, of their wisdom. And I just say to myself, I'm so guilty for even asking them, what are they doing here? Why are they doing this? They're better people than I am. They're doing it for free. So I have a good share of that. I also have a pretty good um, uh, fear of failure. Um, and, and I think that if you really are going to be successful in leadership, those are good things to keep you in balance. You know, I, I, I see people who have no fear of failure. I see people who don't feel guilty. And to me, entrepreneurs are more likely to be that. I'm not saying that all entrepreneurs are. Many of them are on my board and I revere them. But leadership is different. I don't think you can be a leader and be arrogant uh, and, 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 and not have some humility and not have some understanding that you not only are a failure, you're likely to fail again. I say this to the team all the time. When somebody, somebody came to me the other day, a director said, listen, Steve, I, I screwed up. And I say, nobody. And I mean, nobody screws up more than me. So bring it on. Let's, let's figure it out together because I'm going to fail a lot. And if I didn't have this feeling that I could fail or those, those moments where I say, am I, am I really who I say I am? Do I, do, am I really able to do this? I mean, those feelings of doubt, which sound a lot like insecurity, but I'm a very confident guy. I'm, you know, I'll go toe-to-toe with anybody, but I... I like it. I like that it nags away of me, that, 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 that insecure little boy who I'm protecting inside, who makes me feel the compassion for these little kids. That little boy's still there. So he's still got the insecurities, and I've got his insecurities. And I think that's a good thing. It serves me. That is amazing, and- Steve. Uh, I think you mentioned two things as a leader. I always said that uh, a, a real leader take care of his troop, like I call it, of his people, and the mission will take care of itself. If you take care Absolutely. of the people, the mission will take care of itself. Totally and the, agree, Alex. And the other thing that I learned since I started my business is do your best. No is an answer. You might not like no, but it's an answer. <laughs> That's true. And, and I have a sign. Actually, my wife put a sign in, in our bedroom. It says, uh, give it to God and go to sleep, meaning... <laughs> you know, yes. do your best, and 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 you you'll come out. So it's 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 incredible. Uh, I cannot agree with you anymore. Let me. Um, what do you think? Going back to 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 um, boys and girls club, specifically in in Polk, uh, what are the challenges that you see in Polk for our youth? I think it's very easy to get started down the wrong road and stay there. You know, so we, we see success. We see uh, Harry Thomas, we see an Alex and we, and we say, my gosh, these are successful people. They're, 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 they're here uh, on one end of the spectrum. And, and then we look at a failure on the other side and, you know, he's got, he got caught up in a drug bust and he's, you know, got caught up in the system and he's incarcerated and, you know, and now he gets out and he's a bum and he can't get a job at a dry cleaner. And you, and you see the, 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 the Delta between these two and you assume that it is this wide gulf that exists But it isn't. It really is, at the beginning of it, a step. You know, Alex stepped left and this person stepped right. And, and then over time, the delta, the yaw increased so that uh, a lifetime of questionable decisions um, landed him over there and Alex over here. Well, some of those decisions come as a result of the examples that they see every day. That's why I mentioned the mentors. You know, I know Harry had a mentor. I know Alex had a mentor because I can see the effect of that. I know that um, in, in 10th grade, I had a math teacher who taught me, even though I, I failed the test, he taught me I could learn math. And when he taught me I could learn, that I could learn math, I also learned, gosh, if I could learn math, I could learn anything. And the <laughs> vistas he opened for me were like, you don't just learn one thing, you learn others. So if I'm exposed to somebody who is successful then all of a sudden some, I would never even consider going there, and now I would. Quick story. Um, have one of my unit directors in Mulberry, 
very respected guy, high school track, track uh, athlete, and um, revered in all of Mulberry. And so one day, a little boy comes out, comes into the uh, to the school where the club is, and his mom is there, single mom. And and the little boy says uh, a, a quick goodbye to mom, but he's nasty to her and uses the f word. Mom's embarrassed. All of us are kind of looking away. We don't want to see this. You know, his little boy just you know used the f word to, to mommy, and so mom is looking down, and only. Mike, my, my Mulberry director, knows what to do at this point. Bends down, whispers in the ear of that child. He says, uh, you see that woman behind you, that, that, your mother? That's your queen. When nobody else will be here for you, she will be here for you. Nobody else. You go back there and you apologize to her. Little boy went back and apologized to her. Now, that's not just an impressive story for that moment. Now we have a mentor that this guy looks at and says, what Michael does, I want to do. And if Michael can do it, maybe I can do it. And unless we see that example of what to do, we may see an example of what not to do and follow that. And there's way more people doing wrong stuff than good stuff. So if I want to belong, and let's face it, I don't like it, but we're tribal and there's tribes all over our county and country and world. And if I find a, 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 a connection that is not healthy, but I feel accepted, I'm likely to go down that road if I don't have a lot of choices or mentors. And I see that as the biggest challenge for our youth who start out poor and don't have the opportunities. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Well, tell us more about the programs. Our listeners need to know what programs the Boys and Girls Club of Polk County offers. So, you know, Power Hour is the first thing we do, and that's the homework. And uh, Power Hour says, we're not going to watch TV and do homework. We're just doing homework. (laughs) And we're sitting down. And it's not just that. It's like having the most knowledgeable parent do your homework with you. I was in a club in in, in Haines City uh, not too long ago. And the bus driver was uh, coming in in between stuff. And there was this little boy who was struggling with his math. And the bus driver sat down and said, oh, no, no, let me show you how to do that. And, 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 and he's showing him how to do it during power hour because that's what we do at power hour. Now, consider this. 30% of Polk County families are single parents. Okay. Wow. Why, do, why do you think that single parent children are twice as likely to fall victim to depression and suicide as other kids? Because they don't get that interaction. They don't get the feedback. So here's a power hour, which is way more than the homework. It says, you're so important to me that I'm going to get down from my bus and show you how to work through this process. That's how important you are. And so it's a double message. So, yeah, the homework gets done. Yeah, the high school graduation gets better as a result of more homework getting done. But really, the subtext is that you're important and I'm going to spend time with you. That's one. Triple play is another program. Triple play is, you know, part of the sports. We're going to go out there and we're going to play three games and they're going to involve running and competition and teams. Um, and, you know, we have different clubs like Keystone Club for our teens and Torch Club. And, you know, these are places where the kids learn how to, you know, face more adult problems and, and, and learn about how to balance a checkbook and, and, and do things of that nature. So it's programs like that that when combined do all of those things that we talked about improve high school graduation, reduce crime, reduce teen pregnancies, um, and uh, improve nutrition. Wow. All that. And how many uh, centers do you have in Polk? So um, we have eight eight right now. We're looking to open our ninth this year. We opened one last year. Our first year as a a countywide organization, we opened one. We're going to open another one because, as I said, our goal is to get to 10,000. And, um, and so we opened one in Bartow at Gibbon Street Elementary School, which has been a, a wild success. And um, now we're going to, um, to Fort Meade. Oh, wow. Fort Meade. Yeah. So you have one in Haines City. There's one in Winter Haven? Yeah, I have uh, Haines City, Lake Wales, Winter Haven. I have three in Lakeland, one in Mulberry, one in Bartow, and soon to be one in um, Fort Meade. Wow. And and all each one of them have the programs that you just mentioned. So it's yes. it's, it's kind of like a, if if you go one, you see that, and you see the the other one. Yes, but I think that you know each of them are a little different by 
by virtue of the demography of the area and the personality and culture of the unit director. But yeah, the programs will absolutely be the same. Awesome. I think I, 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 I love the, the mission. I, I think uh, I remember being part of the basketball team of the boys club in Puerto Rico. They had one and, and, and I had a blast because we were kind of passionate and we had a, everything. And as a kid, I didn't know what the boys club is. I just saw that it was a court. And I had a thing, and they're do you know the community center. So I, I, I thank you for doing what you do, and for the kids of Paul County, I, I really appreciate that. Go ahead, Harry. Hey, we don't need Tony Robbins. We've we've got Steve Giordano as the I know as the inspirational speaker. Man, you can talk to anybody. But how can our listeners help, Steve? Thank you, Harriet, and thank you, Alex, both of you for having me and, and uh, giving me this forum. You know, we do all of those things, you know, the 150,000 meals, the, you know, power hour, the triple play, and the improve all those outcomes without charging. We don't charge anything. So the people who need us don't pay for us. Who pays are the community. And you go to bgcpolk.org, uh, BGC, like Boys and Girls Club, polk.org, and you can donate. And you might say, well, gosh, I don't have $100 to give give $5, give $10, you know, whatever we get, we're, it's going to the kids. And if you specify that this money should be used in Winter Haven, then that money gets coded and is only used in Winter Haven. But um, in addition to my other uh, jobs, I am the chief fundraiser, um, but I got a great product and uh, I don't have any shame and all that guilt we're talking about. I don't have any worry, any hope, any fear of asking for money because it ain't for me. It's for these kids and they need us. Well, I, we see that they can donate. We'll, we will remind people how they can donut, donate. But this is for Alex. Do you accept uh, cryptocurrency as a donation? <laughs> we do not. <laughs> <laughs> Harry got jokes. Well, hey, just asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, Steve, it's been a pleasure. We could be talking to you for an extra hour. Uh, I think what you do is important. It is uh, very, very enlightening. And I'm always wanted to be part of something good. And you're doing stuff good for our community. So we, I thank you. I appreciate your time. And Steve, uh, Harry, take us out. Hey, Steve, thank you. It's great to see a fellow New Yorker doing this work. Uh, we can see how passionate you are about it. And in a time when our nation is divided and the world's at risk, we need more Steve Giordano's. And we need more Steve Giordano's being publicized because no matter how divided we are, we all agree that our children deserve a better life. So thank you. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Alex. And thank you for all that you're doing and the very good work you continue. Thanks for having me. And with that, This was the spotlight with the ambassador and the chief. God bless, Steve. God bless. Thank you, Harry. God bless. Thank you for tuning into the spotlight with the ambassador and the chief. Be sure to join Chief Alex Morales and Ambassador Harry Thomas again on the Voice America Variety Channel. 